big warm welcome to you. This is the Aware Parenting Podcast with Lael Stone and Marion Rose, PhD. We have juicy conversations about things that matter in parenting and life. We're exploring all that Aware Parenting has to offer from many different angles, and we are so glad that you're here. Hello, welcome to the Aware Parenting Podcast with Lael Stone and Marion Rose. Uh, We're so happy to be here talking about one of our most favourite topics, which is toddlers and tantrums. Uh, If you'd like to know more about who we are, you can check out our first podcast, which just talks about um, how we've come to Aware Parenting and all the wonderful work we do in the world. Uh, This topic I particularly love because I absolutely love little people. I mean, I love all people, but I have such a soft spot for toddlers and that beautiful innocence of wonder and excitement and play and learning and also all the big feelings that come with that. (laughs) So I find a lot of my clients um, come because they have toddlers and they're having really tricky times with lots of big feelings and is that normal and all that kind of stuff. And I must say on some of the the forums that I'm on, probably the most asked question is my three-year-old keeps losing the plot and they're having these big feelings or they're hitting and I don't know what to do. And it's probably one of the most asked questions I see around a lot, particularly around little kids. And and a different way to do it than timeouts or smacking or taking stuff away from them for not being good and all that kind of stuff. I do see that there are a lot of parents looking for a different way to handle this feeling, these feelings in kids, as opposed to the way that it was kind of done with us. You know, that authoritarian way of parenting that that most of us as adults have come through when we were children was really very much about, you know, you're naughty and we either need to, we need to get you to conform. So we're going to take something away that's really valuable. We're going to send you away into your room or to the naughty corner or we're going to smack you or use that force to stop you doing what we want, you know. And and I, I feel like there has become more awareness around it now to know that that isn't necessarily great. You know, we talk a lot more in our culture about shame these days, which is good. And connection. And, and I find that a lot of parents are really looking for, well, how do I handle this, you know, way with awareness where my children has got big feelings um, without, you know, a lot of parents, their other fears without creating a monster who's always going to get what they want. You know, that's a big fear. I hear a lot of parents, if I listen to their feelings, does it mean I'm giving in to their tantrum and all that kind of stuff? So it's a great topic to talk about, to really reframe around what it feels like for kids when they've got little ones, when they've got big feelings going on, and also how we can meet them with gentleness and kindness and also, you know, guiding them to know their feelings, to express them, and then to come back into balance with those beautiful loving limits and all the other little tricks we've got. So we can talk a lot about that today. Mm, yes, this could yummy. be a long one. <laughs> so do you want to start maybe, Marion, with talking about, you know, why do toddlers have big tantrums and feelings? Well, I'd love to hear the way you, you put it, but I w- would love to start with a couple of reasons. One is often... Um, if you've listened to our earlier podcasts is often we don't necessarily understand that it's really normal and natural for babies to have feelings to express as well as feelings that indicate needs so often by the time children get to that toddler age there has been an accumulation of feelings and when I say accumulation I mean that when feelings don't get to be expressed and lovingly heard they're real physiological things that sit in their bodies so those feelings build up and build up and build up and it often gets to a point in toddlers where 
those feelings have got to such a point they just cannot hold them in anymore and that may be often it's just like the straw that broke the camel's back and again I really like to think of it so like us isn't it I'm sure I, I know many times uh, when I was married for example I'd you know there'd be all these different little stresses at the during the day and then maybe then my husband would come home and he'd do one thing and I might just have a big reaction it's so often it's just that one extra thing and so often that happens with toddlers it's just an accumulation but the other thing is there's something really important developmentally that's happening for toddlers. They're really um, moving into a new stage in terms of separation out from, from more of that, more kind of a merged state that they're in in babyhood. And they're, they're experiencing themselves as a, as a separate being that does have a yes and a no that may be different to their parents. And they get increasingly connected to that. They're what they want and what they don't want there's that you know the classic yes yeses and no's often and and you know they can be really big feelings so often really part of this can be frustration they also have their uh, developmental cusps as well often around speech they can get really frustrated and again they can have really big feelings around not being able to do things yet so there's a this kind of um melange of all these different things that join together that often mean those feelings will come out in the form Mm. of a big the big kind of the rage the Mm. outrage Mm. and from an aware parenting perspective so different from many other paradigms uh is really that tantrums are not in that old paradigm thinking misbehavior they're not children whatever the harsh ways of thinking were that they're not trying to get their own way they're not Not trying to manipulate manipulate. Mm. that actually this is a beautiful natural um healing mechanism it's a release mechanism it's a way they're releasing these natural normal feelings particularly often around things like powerlessness frustration um overwhelm they're releasing those from their bodies so that they can return to their true state which is calm and connected and cooperative and gentle and loving and tantrums are actually the way that they're trying to do that and we will differentiate um, tantrums which are a form of expression to aggression which Mm. is things like hitting and biting and so on these are when we're not talking about um, the hitting or the throwing or the pushing that's something different happening there so we will um, tease those out a little bit more but I'd love to hear Mm. your how how Mm. do you usually explain this to parents I I usually explain it is (laughs) children are either in balance or out of balance (laughs) let's keep it simple I'm all about keeping it simple (laughs) which is in the sense of that we know when our kids are in balance you know when they're looking us in the eye you can hear them singing you know whilst Mm. they're playing they're being really kind and gentle to their siblings perhaps or you might say can you pick up your shoes and they do you know and they're really cooperative Mm. and they're they're connected you can feel that and when they're out of balance is usually when there's got a whole lot of stuff going on that is they're trying to reset that they're trying to come back into balance and the way that they come back into the balance is by releasing often these stresses that that they have going on so i often explain it particularly up until about the age of seven our children's brains their prefrontal cortex doesn't have necessarily the capabilities to express exactly what they're feeling which is why it comes out in their bodies why it comes out in in big tears and raging and those kind of things you know a four-year-old still perhaps even though they might be quite verbal might still you know it hasn't got the capability to say you know what mum I'm not really that happy that you had a baby and even though everyone tells me it's really great I'm, I've got a lot of feelings around having a baby brother now and he's taking a lot of your attention and 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 that is a lot of words you know there's a lot of adults that can't even express themselves that way yet we expect often children to express themselves that way so often I look at it is that it is such a normal natural developmental 
way for children to express what they may be carrying just from the natural stresses of the day or, or built up feelings and tensions through raging or crying and, and as you mentioned before it often hits that beautiful sweet spot with somebody that feels safe for them that's when the feelings offload and it's that classic thing of I'm sure many people have experienced you know your children might go and hang out with their grandparents for the day and the grandparents go they were angels and they were so wonderful and they were just pleasant all day and then the moment they walk in the door the kids just completely lose their crap right? and they're just they're raging or they're angry and and their grandparents are like but they weren't like this for me you know and again a lot of people take that on board as you know do my kids not like me or why is that i often hear that they don't respect me yes yes and i go oh actually no it means they feel safe with you the expression of feelings is actually beautiful because it means there's a safety there for them to say i am bringing you the big parts of me that feel have got feelings here and you are a safe person to bring that to and that's often why we see with children at kinder and school they hold it together all day and then the moment you pick them up they completely just melt down because they've been having to be good all day or conform or fit into those kind of structures all day and then the moment they see you your safe place they just completely release you know i i used to often talk about when my kids are at kinder i'd pick them up from kinder and I would just try and contain it enough for them to get to the car so they could lose the plot in the car. But they would mostly just look at me and go, okay, here it is. And just here comes all the big feelings. So I'd kind of just like, let's just get into the car. And then they would just have all these big feelings in the car. And, and usually the catalyst was I was putting their seatbelt on wrong or they wanted to sit in a certain seat. And it was never about what was actually happening. It was always really about that that had a big build-up throughout the day of all these feelings which have just come from the fact that perhaps they were separated from me from the day or that they had to share their toys with someone that they didn't really want to share with or perhaps um you know they were made to do something that didn't feel like they really wanted to do and that, and that happens a lot in our systems in kinder and school and all those kind of things and so you know children obviously learn how to cope with that in the time but that can often still feel very powerless for them so when they come back to that safe place they're going here's all the things that i've been carrying in my emotional backpack all day and you're my safe place to let that out you know and aletha salter in her her books and stuff talks about the broken cookie you know which is really just so much around that you know um the child asks for a cookie and there's only a broken cookie and you give it to the child and because the child's got an accumulation of feelings the fact that the cookie isn't the way they want it to be they completely have big big release around the cookie you know and it's never about the cookie it's usually about the feelings that have been built up around that so the way that we obviously see this in a way painting is that tantrums are actually really normal and one of the biggest things whenever i work with clients is firstly to reassure them your three-year-old is so perfectly normal the fact that they're raging is so normal and they're like really i'm like oh yes let's understand why you know and, and i often say to parents and one of my main lines is look behind the behavior so what your child is bringing to you you know when they're acting out in some certain way they're waving a red flag to say i've got something on board and really what they're saying to you is i need your help to help me offload these feelings so i can come back into balance and and like we've mentioned in many of our other podcasts children know what they need to do to come into balance so they will often set up situations where they can have a meltdown or where they can really push for a limit to push up against so that they can have those big feelings and you know and watching my kids over the years you know I would often, you know, if I saw my son walk into the room, and not necessarily when he was a toddler, but if he walked into the room and he walked past her sister and went to elbow her in the head, I'd go, oh, 
something's going on here <laughs> because that's not his natural state. Mm. Um, and through his behavior, he's saying to me, I've got something on board. It was his red flag to say, hey. And, you know, I'd be, I'd go up to him and go, hey, mate, I just see that you tried to elbow your sister in the head and what's going on? And he'd be like, nothing. And I'd go, yeah, I don't know, let's go have a chat. Or I'd find a way to connect with him to help him then see what was bothering him to offload so that again he felt more centered and then he he wouldn't behave that way to his sisters it was just his way of saying i've got something going on here and little people are exactly the same and and i think one of the big things i often talk about in my workshops is that it's a natural kind of response from a lot of parents when our child's upset to say what's wrong tell me what's wrong or use your words and and really over the years i've learned so beautifully to to just acknowledge the feelings you feel upset you feel angry i'm here with you let it out and as their nervous system does this big beautiful release it resets so that their brain can come back on board you know and and they we really talk about that it just that that prefrontal cortex cannot cope you know with what's happening until that limbic system is reset and and the way little people reset that is through raging and crying it's also through laughing and shaking and all those kind of things so seeing it as absolutely normal and a beautiful process in helping them come back into their center yeah and and when we you know don't respond i guess in that way with loving compassion then it can often set up a whole lot of other imprints around what does it mean when i get angry and upset And you know what I love about aware parenting is in some other approaches there is still that understanding of the the frontal cortex, but it it's almost in a way is slightly um, has a bit of the tone of you know these poor poor little two year olds you know they can't quite yet hold mm-hmm. it in. Whereas I actually see what I love about aware parenting is seeing that actually often we we can learn from our children. Yes, it doesn't mean having a you know big full on cry in the supermarket, but actually that that. Um, words never replace crying completely Mm. yes there are ways that we can share our feelings but actually we all need to sometimes have a big cry and actually have a big you know in in ways that are respectful to others and all of that but actually to let out those big feelings of frustration they often come out for us don't they in those broken cookie moments (laughs) like when the the thing you're trying to do on the computer doesn't work so Mm. it's really seeing it not just as a as a developmental lack but actually mm. something really beautiful yes. that t- toddlers still have intact that natural as well you know that natural outrage what i really love is that sense that they have if we've needed to say no for various reasons or they've been treated in harsh or unfair ways i always see the natural um response of the nervous system of the of the emotional body is to say no and and mm. it's a rage it's not an anger to me it's not like a judgment of the mm. other it's just that natural body's response to mm. to say no mm. and and that is the expression of that so when they're having those big tensions they're mm. letting out all the the powerlessness and the and the frustration that's inevitable for toddlers mm. in a way that actually helps them come back to want mm. to cooperate and want yes. to be gentle and just yes. naturally it's such a so it's a celebrating that mechanism rather than going you know poor two-year-olds they yes. haven't quite learned how to talk yet rather than isn't this amazing and what could we learn from them to actually mm. be a little bit more like that to just feel it and then let it go yes. you know because often i think we get stuck in the words yeah and then we need to talk about it and talk about it more yeah. and talk about it more mm. instead of, and analyze it and then <laughs> judge instead, it yeah totally <laughs> instead of actually just feeling the feeling and then letting it go within that and and what I've loved you know and I'm sure people who have um you know perhaps work with the way parenting from when their babies were really little is they become so deeply attuned to actually what good listening is is that when my youngest one you know started to be around about three or four or something like that and she would be in the middle of a rage 
you know, and me and my thinking I was doing good listening, I'd sit on the floor with her while she was having a tantrum and I would say, you're doing beautifully and, and I'd nod my head and, and put it on this angle and I'd go, mm, you're doing great. I, and she would, it would make her, she would stand up and she'd go, don't make that face. <laughs> and she'd go, don't make that noise, just listen. And it was so beautiful that she was like, I actually just need your presence here. I don't need yeah. you to hum. I don't need you to say anything. Yeah. I don't even need to tilt your head on the side. I need you to just yes. be here with me yeah. while I'm letting this off so that I feel better. And, and for anyone who has kind of held their children through those big feelings, you see that they move into the rage and the anger. And then often they will move into that deep crying, the sobbing, which is often where they come more for connection, even if they've kind of pushed you away a little bit physically that that is so much where that beautiful healing is and they move into those big beautiful sobs and then it's like all of a sudden they go what's for dinner and then it's just done and it's gone and and not all the time but a lot of the times it's just like i felt it and moving on and and that's when we talk about how we could learn from them i just i really get that yes Yeah. yeah and i think it's often a fear isn't it that parents say i think you mentioned at the beginning that but if i do this aren't they just going to be like demanding and all the time wanting to have big cries about things and yes they will uh, know that you're going to listen to them they will bring their feelings to you but the paradox is the more we have the capacity to listen to these big rages and tantrums actually the rest of the time they're actually they're they're at peace in their bodies and they're more loving and connected and cooperative Mm. and they actually are less likely to have the tantrum at the supermarket because they they get they're less likely to get to that point of fullness because they're getting to express these feelings at home so they're less they're, they're actually it actually makes it much more wonderful doesn't it did you find that my kids very rarely totally. would have the big ones yeah. in Out the big overwhelmings because yeah. they'll be doing it enough at home that it wouldn't happen so often completely though. yeah and and then again from then watching or or as your children grow seeing them as they get older and develop you know the tantrums don't aren't really the thing that they go to they they use their words or they just say here's my this is what i need you know instead of acting out in certain ways they just come straight with uh, I am angry I need you to wrestle with me I'm like all right let's wrestle or I feel really sad that there was just such an awareness of what they were feeling in their bodies because nothing was shut down when they were little and and that to me is always the piece that so deeply comes back to that holds so strong for me around this whole philosophy of parenting is that we want our children to know that we accept every part of them and I think when we, we shut down rages and tantrums, you know, I, I feel like, well, and I know this for me, from my own upbringing, that it was really saying that part of you is not accepted here or that's not allowed, you know, and I, I just, I will bring you all the love, but when you're good, you know, and I think that just seeing that we are all these things, we are anger and rage, we are also passion and joy and, and calmness and and all of those parts are are us and as a child all we deeply long for is to be seen and held in all of those feelings and emotions so that we know that that all of us is welcome and accepted so that as we grow up we know that we can feel those things and let them go but we also know that all of us is enough not the parts that just have to be good and and that has always been such a a defining part for me of this journey of that deep acceptance of all of who we are you know and and so much you know research and literature is coming out now 
um, around trauma from childhood. And, you know, I'll talk about my, my friend Gabo Mate. He's not really my friend, but I, I'd, I, like, him I'd like him to be my friend. <laughs> oh, well, I've, you know, studied a lot of his work and I've seen him talk and, and a lot of his work around addiction. And um, it, it comes back to all of this stuff, you know, us when we did not get our needs met when we were younger and then how that stays in the body. And then as we get older, what that develop, what that can, sorry, develop into. Uh, that's you know a lot of his work talks about that too and many other really amazing people as well Uh, it is so important that we give our children the opportunity to fully express all they need to express in a safe environment you know that's the big bit and and again the way our world works is our society does not celebrate crying at all and it certainly doesn't celebrate tantrums you know society Society's belief around this is that a child's being naughty or they're being bad and we need to bring them into line within that. And especially in our schooling systems, you know, there is no space for feelings or emotions at all within that. So, you know, we we live in a world that does not support that at all. And that's why it can feel very challenging, you know, when you start doing this in your own family to listen to big feelings and, and tantrums because you know, the world that we live in, you know, does the opposite on many levels. So it is often a very big stretch for parents to come round to this. And like everything, we say go very gently and compassionately. And I always say to parents, just observe what would it be like if next time your child was having a meltdown or big, big feelings, if you did just sit on the floor and not try and fix and not say anything, but just acknowledge, I see you're upset, let it out, I'm with you you're doing a good job and just be present and hold that space and watch what happens and do they come back into that natural calm relaxed state and then how are they afterwards because so much of this is about the observation of seeing how our children are and we've talked about that in our other podcasts with babies with with tears or just releasing just seeing the difference in the child and and just give it a go and see how that feels for you as the parent you know and and another big huge part of this is what it brings up for us you know because often when we're you know are trying to hold that space for a child raging or tantruming it can really bring up our big feelings from how we never received that as a child or how um you know that might tap us into feelings and memories around we got sent into our rooms or we got smacked or all those kind of things for when we had big feelings i, I would share a little story and and um of a beautiful friend of mine shared with me when we were talking about this with her toddlers how when her toddlers get upset and rage it just sends her into an absolute rage and we talked about I said to her what is that rage for you and she shared that when she was young when she um, got upset she got smacked for crying and then got told she'll get smacked again if she doesn't stop crying so it was just this aggression and violence on top of the tears that just really really cemented that lockdown in her body to not feel that so obviously when she saw her son doing that all those feelings came bubbling up to the surface of this is not okay this is not safe you know and and again how she interpreted what that felt like for her as as the own little inner child and then trying to hold that space for her son you know which again so much of that answer to those things is that really deep listening to our own inner child, that beautiful compassion for ourselves, all those beautiful things that we keep coming back to. So it, it is it is super big. I absolutely know how big it is to start listening to kids' t- uh, tears and tantrums, particularly when you have a raging four-year-old who can be very big in their rage and feelings. That can be very, very hard to hold. And without doubt, it often really does tap us into 
our own feelings and childhood you know around those kind of stories so again I have a lot of compassion if it feels very challenging for parents and it took me a lot of practice to feel really good with it because in the beginning I was like whoa this is confronting and feels big but the more I did it and the more changes I saw in my children the more comfortable I became with that to just see oh brilliant like it turned into a brilliant yes like I could often see when they're agitated I was like oh they just need a good release and it was almost if we I could just go and push 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 the button on them to say and let go and you know and then they'd have a big cry because I knew as soon as it would come out they would feel better again it's such a paradox isn't it I think um, parents feel concerned if they listen to the tantrums and the tears that those will become all consuming but the paradox is the more they can let those out the less they're controlling they're not controlling but you know the less impact they're having on their behavior whereas the more those feelings are held in the more they're going to be showing up everywhere in the mm. whininess in the not cooperating yes. in the hitting the the little brother that all of those things are actually the not getting to express the feelings so the paradox is listening to them actually means they they're gone once they're gone yes. they're gone so yeah because it is that kind of thing too you know if you if your child is really wanting something and you give them what they want but then that's not enough and then you give them something else and you give them something else you know we're kind of on some level avoiding actually what's sitting underneath so there will never be enough things you can give them to keep them (laughs) satisfied and I absolutely understand because I did this a lot with my first two kids before I knew this is that when they started to get upset my initial feeling was oh I've got to kind of nip that in the bud and make it be all okay so it was very much about trying to give them whatever they wanted to keep them happy and that when you do that is exhausting (laughs) it's very tiring as a parent because you're always on edge of like I don't want you to get upset and the reason why I didn't want them to get upset is because I didn't know what to do when they got upset so part of it felt terrifying for me if they get upset what do I do what does that mean because I didn't understand that that actually was really their natural way of trying to heal so the more I tried to fix it and make it okay it just kept going going and going and there was this just this low level tension that just sat everywhere because nobody was really getting their needs met within it yes which I think is uh, you know that we could call that permissiveness I don't really Mm. like judgment not meaning that in a judgment way judgmental way that's often why um, parents who are, tr- who are really aiming to be empathic and compassionate but don't understand this piece about feelings often will say well why is my child just agitated and running all over the place or hitting you know we've never done anything violent why are they hitting their sister why are they just so mm. agitated it's because mm. we're not really seeing that those all those behaviors are actually an indication of the accumulated feelings yes and we can we can set loving limits so we we're going to talk about mm. loving limits so these are things we can do both when we when our child's asking for 70 the 75th book or the mm. 85th cookie or whatever the thing is but we can also do that because often when tantrums aren't getting to be expressed so that's usually powerlessness the frustration what that will often uh, show up as is hitting biting mm. throwing things that is so different from expression this that's aggression and that's really again a, a very big flag from our children to say I've got so many big feelings here. I feel so powerless, overwhelmed. I'm gonna, I'm gonna lash out. And again, and it's really helpful to, to rem- remind ourselves that so often we do our adult version of that, don't we? When yes. we feel powerless, when we go into our own frustration, our own powerlessness, we will often that's where we use power over in our parenting. Often that might be even in a subtle way of coercing them to do something, but we may be shouting. It may be using punishment. That's our own version. So we're so similar. Um, 
so really seeing that when a child is doing those things rather than seeing it punitively if they're hitting or they're biting or they're throwing that actually that is the feelings that actually need to come out in the raging instead Mm -hmm. so with both of those things if they're asking for a million things or they want to be on the screen all the time or they're just you know they're just not happy and agitated and asking for the I don't know the blue bowl and then the pink bowl and that's still not the thing and then they want the orange bowl whatever is we can set loving limits so loving limits are a way of saying no to the behavior and yes to the underlying feelings they're like that i love loving them it's one of my biggest yes. loves in a way parenting i love to i love that say say no to the behavior and yes, yes to, to the, the feelings. feelings but it's really understanding that from this perspective when children act in those ways either the demanding whining agitated when you just you know often we get really frustrated or the hitting the biting the throwing that is that's the beautiful time to say either if it's the thing that they want no sweetheart i'm i'm not willing for you to have another cookie or no i'm not willing for you to hit your brother and yes i am listening to your feelings i'm right here i'm listening and they can let all that outrage out which is just that's causing all those unenjoyable behaviors so it's such a gorgeous 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 thing it took me ages to learn loving limits by the way did it how did it come for you yeah no it didn't it, it took a while to get there as well because i i think when i came to her parenting i i was like oh the crying i really get the crying and i could understand that and it took a while to to learn how to say no because i had no loving limits for myself like as i shared in one of the other podcasts about self-care i didn't know how to say no for myself so it was actually really tricky to say no to my children so i had no boundaries within myself i was just giving 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 to everybody and um what i what helped me learn to be really firm with my limits is being firm with myself in the sense of that these are my limits and boundaries of what I'm willing to do and what I'm not willing to do. So that kind of, for me, turned up a lot in self-care, needing to take care of myself and say no to certain things and having those boundaries of I need this for my worth then allowed me to feel so anchored in my no for my children. And and I really want to just highlight again, it is a loving limit. <laughs> it's not a, I've told you not to do that. It's a darling you know the way we deliver the message is really important and the energy behind it is very important because if we deliver a limit with a sense of aggression you know then that's exactly what children feel and what that aggression does again becomes another red flag for them so not are they only dealing with their own feelings going on they're dealing with the oh this parent figure is angry with me there's another rupture here like there's you know it adds more to it yeah and then it doesn't create the safety for them to let out their what's really going on because that safety piece is so important for them to then let out that feeling of what's happening so when we deliver that loving limit with calm but with a centeredness or an anchoredness then what it does i love what it does it provides this container for the child to say okay my mum or dad has got me or my, my caregiver has got me here like they are so strong and firm i can lean into them to feel safe that there's that limit there and then they're also going to listen to how i feel about that so the safety element of setting that limit is so beautiful isn't it and it's pretty clear i've seen with lots of my clients of when that safety element isn't there you know or where they're like i'm trying to listen to this but the child there is no kind of boundary or loving limit around it for the child to feel safe in that container to actually then move through all of those big feelings within it and i think that's where often we need to do a lot of our own inner work to get to a place of loving limits because i think in our culture there's either 
you just it's either harshness or permissiveness and that's often what most of us experience with our parents we either got no and the punishment Mm. or we got oh well you just go on you know keep hitting your brother you know Mm. whatever so it's it's a really because it is a really body it's a body sense isn't it that loving limit and that really clear sense so often we need to do our own inner work around how we were treated our own um our own experience of yeses and nos because often example if we experienced a lot of um, punishment of harshness of hard nose of authoritarianism we often either go into uh, you know and often actually parents go into then just avoiding ever say no like what you were saying is because for us no only means harshness and punishment Mm. and fear and to me this has changed everything in my life not just Mm. my parenting I wonder if you too is like really to be able to say to actually know that no can be the most loving thing that we can possibly do because actually they don't want 17 cookies they don't want to hit the system they just want someone to be able to say i know what's really going on for you i'm saying no to the behavior i'm saying yes to your feelings i can absolutely hold your rage i i'm here i love you unconditionally you can rage as much as you want to because i totally trust that you are a loving being and that mm. you're letting this rage out and this is a beautiful, healthy, gorgeous expression mm. of the the powerlessness, the frustration, the overwhelm that you've experienced. And when you let it out, you will return to that true loving mm. nature that you are. I mean, how gorgeous is that? I know. And, and again, it brings me back to our own stories of every parent I've worked with when we go back to what that feels like when they do have an element of pain in their story or something that happened and you ask them what is it that you really needed everybody's response is I just need my parents to listen or to see me or to hold me or to accept me really what we all wanted was that beautiful holding of like I've got you and let it out and it's okay I mean that is pretty much everyone's wound isn't it we should all just do a big group like oh my god that's all our pain and again there is I really like to re-emphasize this our parents were always only doing the best job they know how as as are we now right and as well our children yes and there is no perfect we are all doing the best job we know how with the stories we have so there is no blame but often you know that these concepts and and understanding are are just such you know until we are exposed to them or or really look for a different way within it we are still just the product of a culture and society that really is about this you know we have to be good and that is bad and you know this kind of black and white scenario of how it looks within it and it was really that experience of unconditional love, isn't it? To be, mm. as you were showing up, just like, yeah, I'm right here with you. I'm listening. Mm. I love you. However mm. you feel, I'm going to be right here with you. Yes, yes. And, and I think, too, a lot of what comes up for parents that I've worked with, you know, that the big fear within all this is if I do let them rage, what does it mean, as we mentioned before? But, again, I really encourage or invite people to give it a go to see how your child is afterwards that often the more boundaries you set um, or the limits you hold and the listening you do, the lighter and happier your children actually become. Yes. And and there was that beautiful quote, I don't know if you said it or someone said it, oh no, someone else said it about we spend time. Either way, we spend time. <laughs> yeah. right? So, you know, people are sometimes like, I don't have time to listen to the feelings. I'm like, okay, well, then you're probably going to have 20 minutes of whining and whinging, which is going to frustrate you or more. Or not cooperating. Yes, <laughs> or them not doing what you would really ideally love them to do. Or them hitting the sister. Yes, yes. And so the time is being called for from the child one way or another. So 
if we could drop into holding that space there for them, then then that capacity for them to move where they are to come back into balance is is pretty profound within it. Yes, mm. I'd love to share my story with my son because I also want to bring in that um, children will have more of this showing up, so more of this exp- expression, particularly if they've experienced powerlessness or or, uh, or frightening events. So really, again, that outrage being that natural response. So that can be even experiences again in utero it can be birth a lot of birth experiences so babies who particularly had um, interventions in some way or other um, will often have more of these kinds of feelings to show up and um, babies or children who've had separations who've had experiences of not getting to choose so even again it can be a sibling it can be a lovely thing but you know they didn't choose to have the sibling and it can be a really big experience for them it can be going to daycare to kinder to school um, not getting to choose and again this doesn't mean we need to always let them choose mm. but but it's really knowing that all of those experiences will there there are um, feelings that they will have in response to that and the way that we can help them heal from the birth trauma from the powerlessness from medical interventions from dentist visits from um, to other kids at school being harsh to them is through listening to the tantrums the rage the outrage that's a natural response and I'd love to share my son's story. So he was uh, shared in an earlier podcast. He had a, a very quick posterior birth. And I really saw in him that that real need to express kind of the rage, the frustration of, of how he was born. And I listened to a lot of feelings in the first four years of his life. And he was very, very calm and present and the most gentle, loving, really open face. And just, you know, really to me very clear, clearly that he he got to express a lot of feelings and then when he was when he was four uh, his dad and I split up and very quickly he went from this very the calm open all of the things to hitting and headbutting and I'm so grateful that I of course knew all about aware parenting and I understood exactly what was happening and to me you know that for me that was the theme in his life he'd experienced some powerlessness around his birth experience that he'd healed a lot of but there was a theme that then came in again around powerlessness he didn't get to choose he you know I think for most children they want their parents to be together and it's incredibly powerless for them if they have if they experience divorce and and or loss of a parent or loss of any anyone they love in any way so um i I was in a lot of pain as well so a lot of the time I wasn't able to set loving limits I knew how to do them but again as you share about so much of our energy so I wanted to and many times I did lots of times as well but many times I did get frustrated or I did um, you know go into my own outrage because I was in so much pain and powerlessness as well Uh, and he would go and I hear a lot from parents I wonder if you hear this too that really anything any little thing would happen and he would just hit Mm -hmm. it would be the littlest tiniest thing because it isn't the littlest tiniest thing the littlest tiniest thing of any sense of even the sniff of powerlessness and that rage would show up Mm. and I think often parents come and that to me they'll say you know but it comes out of nowhere it comes out of nowhere but there, there is a reason there is a cause and what I'm so grateful to say is that over time he did get to you know we I got to a place in myself where I could hear again and I could be clear with loving limits and he regained the capacity to cry again and he released those feelings and he went back to being really gentle and loving again and you know really that again you know we you've shared so much about this about the timing that sometimes it takes some time for that Mm. to happen sometimes it takes some time for us 
to come to an, our own space in ourselves. And it really took me quite some while to come to that point where I could really, really help him move through that and heal more of that. So mm, just I wanted to share the yeah, story. Yeah, I love that. It, it, and it also reminds me um, of another story when uh, my middle child, she even just said this about a few weeks ago, so 15 now, we were talking about when her younger sister came along. So she was four and a half at the time. And when her younger sister came along, you know, that's when I first came to a parenting. So I was trying to do a lot of listening. But my my four-year-old at the time was so angry for a good year. She was just enraged about everything. There was a lot of feelings, which was a culmination of stuff. But there was a lot of stuff around having the baby. Mm. And we were talking about it the other day. And as a 15-year-old, she said, oh, my God, I was so angry that Tali came along. Like, she remembers. Mm. She goes, I remember the feeling of rage that she'd come along. I remember feeling so upset that nobody loved me anymore. I remember that I was your baby, your beautiful, special, precious baby, and then another one had come along. And and we were giggling and laughing talking about it because she was then saying, you know, I'd walk past her and I'd like squish her. And, you know, she was, and it was, and then like her sister's sitting there next to her laughing and then she's hugging her at the same time going, but you know, I love you. Like it was beautiful. But I loved that she really was going, they were the feelings that were so strong and present for me then you know around just the fact that there was another baby that came along which is huge and and I mean I said to her oh honey you know I I I really did try my best to listen but I know there was a lot there and she was like oh you know there was nothing in it she just was it just was there but I love that she actually just shared you know that was what was going on for me it was just it was felt like so much injustice and I was like of course to a little person that is you know mm. and even to a big person I remember Letha Salter who is the, the founder of Aware Parenting she once shared in one of the early workshops I went to her that, that actually again if we put ourselves and I think I, I don't think we can do this too many times to put ourselves in our ch- child's shoes if we imagine if we have a partner and if we imagine that one day they said I'm going to bring an, a home another partner mm-hmm. And they bring home this other partner and not only uh, they're probably actually hugging and kissing the new partner more (laughs) than you and probably getting a little bit more frustrated and responding to you in more harsh ways and giving you less love. It's it's so natural and normal to feel deep, deep feelings of jealousy and hurt and pain and outrage. And even for us, imagine what it's like when it's actually your parent. Mm. So, you know, again, to really have a this beautiful compassionate aware parenting lens of what is actually my child experiencing and where is this coming from and how can I help them Mm. and and look you know toddlers and tantrums you know very much about just being able to look behind the behaviors we say holding that space for them to release when they need to you know and, and hopefully them coming back into balance but there's also so much beautiful other work you can do with them which we're going to talk in another podcast about really around play and connection but there is so much beautiful stuff you can do as as maintenance i call it maintenance oh i love that maintenance. um <laughs> to keep to so that it doesn't have to reach that point as well you know so for children particularly who are going to kinder or starting school and those kind of things that's huge to separate from you to be in the world in that way and the more we can use play and connection the less they may need to rage you know afterwards because we're actually filling up their cup we're helping them process what's going on that that it can work in balance it's not just always about the big tears it can absolutely be about play so you know we um and we will talk about play in our other podcast but for my youngest one especially when she'd go to kinder or school 
you know, if she hadn't had a meltdown straight away, we'd get in the car. And the first thing I would always do is let's go home and rumble. And we call rumbling wrestling in our house. And the number one thing to do as soon as we got home was to just connect, play, laugh, wrestle, which usually ended up in some tears, which was beautiful, but the... It'll all end in tears. tears. (laughs) (laughs) Which is a good thing. Um, Is we basically... That was part of our maintenance every day. She did something where she wasn't with me. And it became so... She could just... We all saw the benefits of it, of rumbling, wrestling, you know, just connecting, letting all those feelings out that she would then ask for it as soon as she'd get in the car she'd go <laughs> she'd have this look on her face and go we need to rumble <laughs> okay let's go home and do it that she just knew so instantly that that's actually what she wants to do and then again doing that from a young age as a toddler how that then developed into the older years really even when she was seven and eight we had a, a game for my younger one called Tali's rules her name is Tali, and um the game was called Tali's rules which means she got to make up the rules for half an hour Um, whatever she wanted to do and it was mostly about ordering me around right and to the point where she'd go we'll walk in the gate you put your bag there on the side and then you'll step like so she had to basically dictate every single thing god did to feel more in control again from feeling quite powerless for the day and tali's rules was such a beautiful thing that she would ask for when she really needed it even to the point where i might have been doing something else and she'd come in and she goes we need to play tali's rules and i go okay (laughs) and because she was really asking me behind that i need to feel i need some connection i feel a bit powerless here how can you help me do that and again that was when she was maybe six or seven and a bit more verbal in that way a bit different to toddlers but the same kind of thing she was saying i've got some feelings going on i want to use some play or just some power to help myself feel better and you know the tally's rules game were always about making funny noises doing stupid things it was always ended in lots and lots of laughter and connection but it was about her way of saying i need to reclaim some stuff for me now you know so there's so many beautiful ways you can do it and and i just wanted to offer that it's not just about tears all the time and it doesn't have to be about that i see that for me i I see it's completely normal for a toddler to have a big cry every day you know big feelings every day i see that it's so normal think about all the new things they are learning all the the new development that is happening in their brain in their body you know that's a lot to take in so you know i see that as completely normal as well as part of just a healthy child on some level yeah absolutely and i love tali's rules i haven't heard that one before so i would see that as an example of a power reversal game so again these are some of the other things is anytime you put yourself in the position of powerlessness as a game and they have the power that is a way of them feeling feeling the power and helping release. So the laughter they're releasing or the powerlessness, which otherwise shows up in the power over, the hitting or the biting or the throwing or the not being willing to cooperate. Mm. The other thing I think can be really helpful to remember is what, giving choices wherever possible. And, you know, if once they get to the age where you can say, you know, would you like this or that? So giving them a sense of choice because that gives them that sense of power and they have less then again less feelings of outrage and the other thing is using less power over them so the less power over them we use the less feelings of powerlessness they have and that may also mean that when we do when we don't seem to find any other way of helping them um, cooperate with us and uh, we maybe do use some kind of coercion and that might be getting them in the car seat for example is then if we have the capacity to listen to that natural outrage. So really knowing if we coerce them, it's natural for them to feel outrage and that is them healing from that that experience. So really knowing that, yes, there may be times where we 
where we do use coercion in, if we can't think of it any other way, but we can listen to the feelings. And one other thing I love is Aletha's um, list, you know, my love of list of threes, the way of eliciting cooperation, which I can think can be a really helpful thing at this kind of age. So the three things we can do to elicit cooperation, one is let our child know what's going to happen, you know, in a little while we're going to go to the car. And number two is to give choices. So, you know, do you want to, do you want me to carry you or do you want to run or walk there? And number three is make it fun. So, you know, either singing a song or doing being silly and goofy mm. or making up characters or shall we, you know, let's race there and mm. just making it a fun experience. So all of there are so many ways in aware parenting to help elicit cooperation to help our children um, with that natural desire to cooperate. So we're less likely to use power over. So they're less likely to actually have the feelings to to release yes uh, i look at I, I so all of that big yes and <laughs> i mean i often talk about it in this way if you have to think that little people are told what to do all the time from the moment they wake up it's time to get up and we need to change your nappy or we need to get dressed and then we we can have a breakfast and just like it is they're pretty much you know being told what to do most of the time and and you know that is just the way of how our world works and how we learn to develop but we don't want a three-year-old to be the boss of the house that it's not necessarily where we're at it's again finding that beautiful balance of how do we help them feel some power in the powerlessness of, of just being a little person you know i mean look we as adults feel powerless all the time kids even more so because it is very much about being you know these are the guidelines of what we do and especially in kinder and schools and all that kind of stuff that's another podcast that's coming but that's um but that is another big one where children can often feel really powerless because of just being you know in a system that really is about conforming and those kind of things so it's so normal and understandable as to why little people have these big feelings and that's my biggest offering i always say to parents is that it is so normal for your child to feel rage or upset or tantrum and even the hitting it's it's not what we want but it's also it's okay it's an expression of what's going on and we want to help them with that it's them saying i need some help with what's going on you know i I love this thing you're your child's external behavior is a reflection of their internal state you know and that's a beautiful thing to always remember what is what are they saying to me with what they're doing here and if we can look at that that way look behind that behavior then we're more aware i think we're then more likely to tune drop and connect in with them to go how can i help you move this because that's really what they're asking for can you help me come back into balance here and, and you know through play through connection or through holding that space for those feelings and keeping it keeping that just as that understanding quite simple they're always saying can you help me come back to my center because yes. they know it feels better yes because it does so much more comfortable doesn't it yes. and i also want to say again it's also really normal and natural for us is uh, when we have children who are having raging or tantruming for our own big feelings to show up around these ages because at every age of our child we'll often be invited to listen lovingly to that age of our inner children so again it can be really helpful to remember if you have rage or outrage showing up and it seems to be in relation to your child is that's really wonderful opportunity to actually go and see if you can find another adult to listen to those big feelings so that you're less likely to 
direct those towards your child you're actually going to um, you know really see the source which is usually our own unexpressed rage our own little toddler who actually really needs to let that out with another adult not to our child <laughs> yes that's it well because again if we don't address that and we're feeling that then it usually ends up being our four-year-old inner self parenting our four-year-old yes. never we goes so know. well that doesn't go, <laughs> doesn't go well yeah so that's something really good to lean into a little bit which really brings us to kind of i guess our invitation you yes. know from this podcast is really to tune into that inner toddler within you you know and and do we give ourselves Ooh. choice and need, you know, for yes. autonomy? I wonder what, what you would love to, what your little two-year-old would have mm. loved to have heard when, when he or she felt rage, mm. what words you would love to hear. And usually for me, it's things like, I'm right here with you. Mm. I'm listening. I love you. Mm. So we can also change that inner dialogue as we talk about a lot. Mm, totally. I mean, that is just one of the most powerful practices you know of aware parenting for me is definitely that reparenting myself i mean aware parenting is actually parenting yourself (laughs) so you can then parent your kids and that i I love that so deeply just that what what does my three-year-old need right now you know it's it yeah it's really big and that you know that can bring with it a lot of tears and feelings and that is also okay Mm. and and can be held and supported so yeah feeling into what does your inner toddler need or what did it wished it had and i also would love to offer an invitation just about how do you feel about play and connection and and the, the beauty of being a little you know connecting with little people how does that feel for you for a lot of us sometimes that can feel really tricky as well yes. if we didn't have an experience of that so yeah. good to feel into your own inner little toddler yes, yes and the other thing to do that can be really helpful is making sure we're having experiences of choice because often as parents of toddlers we can often feel powerless that our own needs for choice and autonomy aren't getting met I often joke do you remember before children you could just you just wanted to go somewhere you just pick up the keys or get your bike or whatever and you just go and often when we have young children we our own needs for autonomy and choice come up big time so finding ways to really honor your needs for choice and autonomy in other ways can really help us be less likely to tip into our own outrage Mm, i love that so beautiful um so lovely resources that we adore around this and um uh, you got an online course for this, Marion? <laughs> well, I've got power and powerlessness. Oh, power. <laughs> so check out Marion's stuff again. Um, also, books. Um... Lael does wonderful sessions as well. <laughs> <laughs> I actually do have an uh, webinar, which is an intro oh, to a parenting. There you go, yes. <laughs> That's a two-hour webinar, which is actually really good for people who are just starting off in a way of parenting. It's, it's all this kind of stuff. It's a beautiful explanation. <laughs> you can check out that. Uh, we often joke about Marion is the... The queen of online courses so she has a lot of beautiful resources to offer um also um aletha salter's book cooperative and connected is another great book to read really around all these concepts also books by larry cohen you know are also really great around that um around play playful parenting is a gorgeous book mm. and also um i do love the book listen by patty whipler who is from hand in hand parenting and that's another beautiful resource to check into their website's got lots of great articles and stuff really around um really similar themes to what we talk about here and listen is a very great book um 
and I don't like to stereotype here, but often men are a bit less reluctant to read books on parenting. A bit more reluctant. A bit more reluctant, sorry. <laughs> sorry, say that around the wrong way. I ain't talking too much. Um, but Listen is a great book I've found that's really simple and has got kind of some basic steps that I find um, quite a few of my male clients have been really open to reading. Mm. Yeah. So that is a great place, again, if you're starting off on this journey to just really understand these concepts. It's um, It's a really great, simple one as well. So... There's some good good stuff oh, out there. Yay. Wonderful resources. Mm, mm. Thank you so much for listening. I actually also want to invite you just to connect in if you'd like to connect in with how you're feeling. This can be a really big um, and emotive topic. So we're sending you lots of loving compassion, listening to your body, maybe have a, have a little bit of uh, chat to a friend or something. Mm. And thank you so oh, much have for have a listening. rage outside in the yes. We're sending you lots of love yeah. and appreciation mm. and we look forward to connecting with you in the next podcast. Yeah, thanks for being here. Thanks for joining us on the Aware Parenting Journey. Please follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the Aware Parenting Podcast. You can find more about Lael at www.laelstone.com.au or find Marion at www.marionrose.net. We wish you much compassion and grace on your parenting journey.